0: Good morning. I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. Today, our program will focus on the state of the station of Coast Community Radio. My guests are Graham Nystrom. He is the KMUN, Coast Community Radio Station Manager. Good morning, Graham.
1: Good morning, Donna.
0: And I also have on the line Emily Geddes. Emily is our program director. Good morning, Emily. Good morning, Donna. I'm glad you two are here, because there are a lot of changes going on in our world and at Coast Community Radio. Before we begin talking about some of those changes, let's have the listening audience, some of whom are hopefully new first-time listeners uh, to the station, uh, learn a bit about each of you. So, Graham, please tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Oh, shucks. My favorite subject, Donna.
0: Really? Okay.
1: No, I'm joking. No more jokes for this show, I promise. Uh well, I'm in my early 40s. I grew up in Southern California and after college relocated to Portland, Oregon, where there was a hot music scene that I wanted to be a part of. And uh spent my time being in bands and doing sound in venues, recording in studios, and teaching music lessons at a nonprofit called Ethos Music Center in North Portland. Where I taught individual guitar lessons and ukulele lessons, but also got to teach group classes like rock bands. And that was my first experience working for a nonprofit. Um, so I would say that that's where I gained a lot of my background that's helped me here at the station what it means to write grants, how nonprofit funding works, what it means to report to a board of directors, things like that. Uh, and it was in 2015 that I was playing music at the Voodoo uh, in Astoria and met one Jessamine West, who is my partner to this day. And she introduced me to Ray Merritt, board member, and introduced me to Terry Wilson, engineer here at KMUN. And I was looking to, uh, I had too much gear, so I donated some to the station. They were thrilled. And that was the beginning of that relationship. And uh, I think it was probably six or eight months later, that I was asked by Joanne to come on to the staff as the operations manager. And I've been here ever since, and I love what I do. I love the the tech behind uh, radio and music and recording, Uh, but I also love the people that are involved with community radio and the mission of community radio. So I couldn't couldn't be happier to be where I am now.
0: And um, everyone involved with Coast Community Radio is pretty darn happy to have you because um, lots of good things have happened uh, since you have... Uh, been our uh, station manager. So, thank you for what you're doing. And Emily, please tell the listening audience about yourself.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so I'm from Eastern Washington originally, north of Spokane, in a tiny little town called Newport. Bounced around for school. I've always played music, uh, but not in as much of a professional capacity as Graham. Uh, it's just kind of been a presence. And I have been in Astoria for about six or seven years. Um, and I also came to the station via Jessamine. Um, she was a, is a friend of mine, and I guested on her show one night and was hooked. So I became a DJ, and over about a year and a half, that kind of snowballed somehow into me getting this amazing job as program director. Um, I have a little bit of background with nonprofits and um, working on boards, as well, um, and some community planning, event planning, fundraising, all of that. and So a lot of that kind of combines very naturally into this position. Um, so it feels like I've kind of accidentally been building toward this for the last 10 years and didn't really know it. Um, and I'm just really excited to be here. I love this job.
0: And you started really what just before the pandemic was, this? <laughs> yeah, um,
2: so I started in January, had maybe two months of kind of fly by the seat of my pants training, and then the pandemic hit and had to relearn everything and a whole lot more um but yeah, it's been really great, um Graham's been super helpful getting me on board with a lot of tech training. I kind of never expected to have to do, and it's just been it's been a wild ride this year. <laughs>
0: Yes, everyone's learning new skills, that's for sure. Whether we have thought we wanted to learn them or not, we're all needing to, to flow, be flexible, and change things. So so here we are, Coast Community Radio. Graham, how long has Coast Community Radio been on the air, and what is Coast Community Radio? Let's talk about the mission statement.
1: Sure. The The nonprofit Tillicum Foundation was formed in 1977 by folks in the community who saw the need and the opportunity to build a community radio station here. And the I think the original vision was to partner with KBU and be sort of under their license, under their umbrella. But there was just enough interest and enough local chutzpah that we put it together for ourselves and just set off on our own. And so 1983, we went on the air. Liam Dunn was the first voice on the air saying, welcome to the birth of a radio station or something along those lines. And... So the way this works is that the FCC has reserved a certain part of the FM band for non-commercial and educational stations. And so that's where we are. We're in the non-commercial educational band. So as you go up the dial and you start hitting the commercial stations, that's the other part of the band uh, where folks make and spend a lot of money. But down in our band, we're more mission-based and we are community and listener-supported. About one-third of our operating budget comes from the community. And so this is a good time to say that we are looking for that community support right now. Uh, every fall we, we expect and, and need to raise about $50,000. And while we can't have our amazing volunteers in the studio pitching their hearts out uh, day after day and raising that money in a very short amount of time, you know, usually we would raise that money in about a week. Uh, we've been running a quiet drive for a good couple of weeks now, and we're, we're only at $10,000, which means this is going slower than we'd hoped. And so if you've been thinking about becoming a member or haven't uh, made your pledge for the fall yet, we hope that you'll, you'll jump on board and do that. You can call us right now. Janet and Susan, who are working from home, can answer the phone remotely, and they can take your pledge. So the number is 503-325-0010. And the board of directors uh, is, the, is the governing body of Coast Community Radio. And so we have a board of nine, and my job as station manager is to, is to work for the board. I am the board's employee, and I report to the board. They're my boss, and then I manage the small staff that we have, um, just a handful of, of you know, a few full-timers and a few, a few part-timers. And somehow we make this incredibly complex system run day after day. Uh, there's a lot going on, as Emily found out. Coming on board, you know, even when things are normal, this is a hectic job. Uh, but she came in when, when things were especially challenging. And we were definitely tying ourselves into knots, trying to figure out how to keep, keep programming on the air, keep local voices on the air. And I think we've succeeded pretty well through our program that we lovingly refer to as homegrown programmers. Um, but getting back to the board and the mission statement, The mission statement of the Tilikum Foundation is to serve the lower Columbia Pacific region through commercial-free community radio programs and services that enrich life by illuminating the role of the arts, promoting cultural and educational growth, and bringing focus to current issues of local and regional public interest while providing a forum for diverse and underserved groups. So I know that's a run-on sentence, but there's a lot to say about what we do. And we wanted to have the mission statement be as accurate as possible, because that does help us get funding, you know, if the funder focuses on arts organizations, or educational organizations, or cultural organizations, and we do all of those things. Um, so that's our mission statement. Uh, and to, to kind of dovetail with that, in light of the social justice movement that's been happening, uh, there's been an effort by organizations around the country to also have an equity statement. And so this was something that that Emily took upon herself to, to draft. And I think it turned out great. And so I'd like to invite Emily to read the Tilikum Foundation's equity statement to you.
2: Sure, so uh, the Tilikum Foundation stands firmly against racism in all its forms. KMUN is your local source for high quality and thoughtfully curated programming from our news and public affairs to music and entertainment. It is our duty to provide this in a way that is conscious of implicit bias, systemic racism and societal inequities. In our programming, we will evaluate new programming decisions based on our mission statement in order to amplify oppressed and underrepresented voices in our community and beyond. Monitor our current programming offerings and practices, looking at where we can make improvements to better represent a variety of identities and viewpoints, seek out programming that will fill in our deficiencies and create equitable access to our programs and services. And in our administration, we will create a staff board and volunteer base that reflects our community, provide our staff board and volunteers with opportunities for inclusive conversation and training on diversity, equity, inclusion and justice, and how these issues pertain to our personal lives as well as our work at the station. And I will say I had a lot of help creating that. I cannot take credit for it. Um, Working with some other organizations in the region. And it's, I feel like the most important thing to me in putting that together and putting it out was that it's action-based and it keeps us accountable. And it's not just about saying that we stand with one mission or another um, but that we are going to actively reevaluate what we do align it more firmly with our mission statement and consistently reevaluate those things Um, this is going to be an ongoing process for as long as any of us are here for sure Um, and I just didn't want there to be any question about that dedication and yeah just keep us uh, accountable
0: well Emily that's very well crafted and very thoughtful thank you
1: the one of the guiding factors in programming uh, to step away from talking about the governing body, which is the, the board of directors, we also have a community advisory board. So this is a different group of people and they ideally represent a demographic that we serve and take a critical look at our programming to make sure that we are serving all of those demographics. And some of the work that we've been doing as a staff uh, with diversity, equity, and inclusion training, uh, has been another thing that Emily took upon herself to do, which is called Word Note, and that's just an inside joke because we have Bird Note on the station. But uh, she did one on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I, there's just this very short thing that that is such a good explana- uh, explanation of it. Diversity asks, "Who's in the room?" Equity responds, "Who's trying to get in the room but can't? Whose presence in the room is under constant threat of erasure?" Inclusion asks, have everyone, everyone's ideas been heard? Justice responds, whose ideas won't be taken as seriously because they aren't in the majority? Diversity asks, how many more of pick any minoritized identities group do we have this year than last? Equity responds, what conditions have we created that maintain certain groups as the perpetual majority here? Inclusion asks, is this environment safe for everyone to feel like they belong? And justice challenges, Whose safety is being sacrificed and minimized to allow others to be comfortable, maintaining dehumanizing views, uh, and and I think that just as a side note, one of the inclusion pieces that we feel is missing from our station, is the native and indigenous voice in this area, um, and we've been we've been trying to reach out to some of the local tribes to to offer them the microphone, and we really do hope that that we can be a service provider to them. Um, in, in, in their work and in their struggles. Um, so that's an open invitation.
0: Good. And, Graham, maybe we should talk about some of the programming changes. Um, and, of course, the website actually now has been uh, reconfigured, and it's pretty easy to navigate. looks a little bit different. The entire program schedule is ahead of us right here. I'm looking at it on my computer. Um, and, uh, and there are going to be some changes. So let's talk about some of those programming changes.
1: Coastradio.org has had a a full cosmetic overhaul, and we're thrilled with the way it looks. It's just much simpler and cleaner. Most of the same nuts and bolts are there, but the local news page has expanded and improved the the podcast page, but especially the program schedule. So under the programming tab, if you click program schedule, you'll see this very nice calendar that's color-coded by category, so you can see at a glance where the music is, where the news is. Where children's programming is, public affairs, and so on. Uh, and if you're already familiar with our program schedule, this will just make things all the more clear. So I invite you to go to coastradio.org and look at it. And I think the biggest change, you know, has has been how do we still have local programming with people who aren't able to come in and do shows live in the studio? It's it's a challenging uh, uh, proposition. And so this this group that we've put together called our homegrown programmers. Uh, have either purchased their own equipment or made a donation to the station so that we could buy equipment for them, uh, or we bought a few kits that just get shuffled around with with uh, you know good sanitization techniques in between users. Um, and so I think we have, what, 50 or 60 homegrown programmers?
2: I think we're about 60 at this point, And there are more people signing up lately, too. Um, yeah, it's been really amazing to watch people really step up and uh, learn a lot of new tech and kind of have to do it on their own at home. And um, I would like to give a huge shout out to two people in particular. Marianne Myers has been essentially coordinating all 60 of those people single-handedly and with an incredible sense of humor. Um, and it's a it's a crazy schedule with multiple, many, many moving parts. Um, and also Jim Dot has taken over coordinating all of the Bedtime Stories programmers, um, which is five nights a week, and he hasn't missed a beat. Um, and that's just two examples of some incredible adjustments that have been made. Um, But yeah, and you'll notice a lot of that uh, change in the schedule. Um, Originally, you know, we thought it was gonna be temporary. We had no idea how long this was gonna go, but for a variety of reasons, a lot of our programmers can't record from home. They are being extra cautious or suddenly have a lot more childcare to take care of and just can't make the time. So we've got a lot of people filling in on shows they've never done before. We've got people who are new recruits who are learning on the fly um, and doing new shows and new slots. Um, And so a lot of those changes are reflected in the new schedule, so you'll notice a lot of that. And I'm pretty excited about a lot of them. It's been really nice to see people push themselves into new formats and new genres. Um, And I think that is one positive result of all of this chaos.
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, from what I hear about folks who are having to do distance learning with their kids, some of the kids are just are in their element when they're at home on a screen in class as opposed to in a group uh and and to a certain extent that's been true with some of our programmers as well where some folks have really started to like it uh whereas some s- still say I would much rather be uh, in the studio and when when can we get back in the studio and that is a question that's on everybody's minds and so I think it's only fair to touch on that for a bit if it's okay. Absolutely. We have taken a, um, just an absolute better safe than sorry approach to this. Um, we don't have the resources or the staff to be constantly disinfecting and ensuring everyone's safety. And uh, it's been such a scramble to just kind of keep things going in in the way that we are that to try to then also manage, uh, something beyond that. It's, it's really quite daunting, but we understand that we're going to have to open someday and we need to have discussions about this. We need to have a plan. We need to continue to make sure that everyone is safe. And I heard Richard Dawson mention on morning classics that we are 100% virus free at the station. We have not had a case, uh, in, in our ranks. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I'm proud of that. And we want to keep it that way, um, but we also want to continue to be as strong of a community resource as possible, and you can't do that without the people. Uh, and so if people are feeling disconnected by, by not being in the Telecom house or broadcasting from the studio, we all look forward to the day where that changes, and things go back to more more of a, the uh, the old normal, as they say. Uh, but the board, <clears throat> at the last meeting, has made it their initiative to form a committee that'll involve a couple board members, a couple staff members, and a couple of programmers and volunteers and community members to talk about what a safe reopening will look like uh and you know unfortunately it's there's nothing to indicate that that's going to happen ar- around the this you know the closest to next bend uh the pandemic is still here we wish it wasn't um but that's the reality so we're we're taking a safe and cautious approach And I think we're doing a really good job of keeping local voices on the air. Um, And so even though they're pre-recording and it's not in the moment and in the minute, it is still your friends and your neighbors, uh, and it is still timely.
0: Yes, absolutely. And if you have just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. And today we are having a State of the Station program about Coast Community Radio. And my guests are Graham Nystrom. He is the... Coast Community Radio Station Manager and Emily Geddes, who is the Coast Community Radio Station Program Director.
1: You know, Donna, since so, we call these the State of the Station shows, makes it feel really important. And I feel like after everything I say, there should just be like at least half the room that stands up and claps for like a minute after everything <laughs> I say. Doesn't that? It, it it
0: takes a village, and for sure, the Coast oh, Community yeah, Radio has stepped
1: oh. up. <laughs> Sorry, I told you no more jokes, but I failed you.
0: So, so expanding local news, providing election coverage, candidate interviews—all these kinds of things. You're obviously Coast Community Radio is responding to external pressure. What's happening in the culture around us and in the world, and then of course internally, how do you work with all the volunteers? And so, being now in in the middle of this fall pledge drive, this silent pledge drive, it's a really important thing for all of you who are listening. To go to our website, coastradio.org, or give a call to the station and please donate to help keep us doing this important work. Um, All the people who are working so very hard to provide this local programming. Um, and, And let's talk a teeny bit more about local programming, Graham.
1: Sure. And the number to call if you do want to make a pledge is 503-325-0010. This is a pledge drive. I'd like to make it feel like one. Does my voice feel like we're pitching? Is this a pledge drive? It's a a pledge drive. 503-325-0010. Okay.
0: Do you want to make it feel a little bit sweet peas? There are some sweet peas available, apparently.
2: That was exactly what I was about to say, Donna. Take it, Emily. So uh, we have uh, one of our uh, incredible programmers, Reda Christie, has offered up three very late in the season bouquets of sweet peas. And uh, she is offering those to the first three people who call and donate $60 or more. This morning. So we've got people waiting on the phones and we'll take note of those. This is unfortunately only available in Astoria, but Retta will deliver them to your door. So we'll get your info and make sure those get delivered to you. So the first three people to donate $60 or more get a beautiful, fragrant bouquet of local sweet
0: peas. That's a a sweet way to donate.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And if they don't get claimed, I'm going to be donating $60 after the show to get one of those Mm. bouquets for myself. Uh, well, you wanted to talk a little bit.
0: All right, Graham. We have other things to talk about. Let's move through this wonderful um, list of things we want to let people know about.
1: Sure. So you mentioned local news, election coverage, candidate forums, things like that. This is some of the stuff that we've been known for, and we've always partnered with the AAUW, Clatsop Community College, uh, the Astorian, to bring uh, election coverage, candidate in- interviews, and uh, and and this year is no different. Though the challenges are different. And so while the candidate interviews won't be in person, um, we are partnering again with the AAUW and Clatsop Community College and The Historian to bring a live streamed candidate forum. This is Tuesday, October 6th. Thank you for calling. I can hear the phone ringing. I know that's a pledge. Hopefully Janet or Susan can pick that up from home. Um, but if you don't get an answer, call us back, okay? After the show, we'll get you. Uh, so, Tuesday, October 6th, 7 p.m., a live-streamed candidate forum uh, with the AAUW, the Historian, and Clatsop Community College. Uh, this is challenging. This is more challenging than it ever has been. And this is the kind of thing that we've always done, that we've always relied on community support for. And this being a pledge drive, hey, we're doing these candidate forums. We're going to bring them to you in a new and different way. And hopefully you can be an informed voter as a result. Um, and if you appreciate that, then donate to our pledge drive. We've got a $50,000 goal that we're hoping to meet in two weeks, and we're at $10,000. So we have a long ways to go. We need your support, and we need your calls. 503-325-0010. Nevada's going to go out in the in the lobby and, and answer some phones for us. Uh, so look forward to that Tuesday, October 6th candidate forum. Uh, that sort of dubbed, dovetails with a project that we've been working on. Uh, hopefully most of the listeners know that we received some very generous grants and donations uh, towards rebuilding some of the aging equipment in our station and as radio stations look towards the future and sort of the changing nature of media a lot of radio stations have an on-demand video presence so you know KEXP in Seattle has some really great live music performances on their website Uh, OPB Music does the same thing. So we're looking to start the same kind of a deal. Uh, We are lovingly referring to it as KMUN-TV. And we have some some partnership videos up that we produced with the Fort George and a local recording studio in town called The Rope Room uh, called Social Distance Sunday Nights. The Fort used to to do music on Sunday evenings. And so this was a pandemic socially distanced response to that. Um, And we hope to do more of that not just stuff that's entertaining, like music, but also stuff that's informative, like candidate interviews. And so we hope to implement some of this uh, live streaming equipment for the candidate interviews and other projects of that sort. Um, but on the radio, we've had a few uh, a few pretty big changes that I think we should talk about. Uh, one really exciting thing that I want to touch on first is a collaboration with. Uh, a local woman named L- Lanisha Duke. She's going to start hosting a once a month live call-in show like I've been doing. When I do the show it's called The Conversation and when Lanisha hosts it's called Rural Race Talks. And so this is about uh, having productive conversations in rural communities about race race and uh, social justice. So you can tune into that this Friday uh, at 9:30 but uh, in in mid-september we're actually going to change the day of the show so the live call-in shows have been fridays at 9:30, but uh starting september 16th that's a wednesday the live call-in show format is going to change to an hour and it's going to be on wednesdays and i know what you're thinking <laughs> donna you're thinking that's my show that's when talk of our towns is what's happening don't worry we've got a plan for you donna <laughs>
0: I know, we've talked about this. I'm it's just kidding, you've surprise. been a part of, I feel really good about it all.
1: You've <laughs> been a part of this process. So Donna's hosted this show with uh, grace and aplomb for many years, uh, but your life is changing and you're looking to step back from as much of a commitment. And so you're talking about doing a show once a month for us. Um, so talk of, our, talk of Our Towns will move to first Thursdays. Uh, Bioneers, which is normally Wednesdays at 9, will move to the old Friday call-in spot at 9.30. So a one-hour call-in show on Wednesdays, Talk of Our Towns on first Thursdays, and then Counterspin and pioneers on Fridays.
0: Great. It's all wonderful shuffling, and I think having the hour conversation program is really important because a lot of times people don't warm up and start calling in until the show's been on for a while. So it all makes a lot of sense.
1: That's what we've noticed, and we're really excited about the partnership with Lanisha and the fact that she's stepping up and taking a leadership role uh, in talking about these social justice issues, so we we are so thrilled that she's coming on board to the station, and look forward to her show this Friday, and from then on every first Wednesday.
0: All right, that's wonderful. And then the Radio for Good project status. Where are we with that?
1: You know, I think Emily could probably talk about some other programming stuff before we hit Radio for Good. There's...
0: Oh, good. Well, all right. We only, unfortunately, we only have a few minutes. So we have. We're at nine fifty-five. So we'll, can we'll we start go over talking fast? Minutes? Um, Yeah, just
2: quickly, uh, another show I'm really excited about that's coming up is The Register, which is going to be a module. It'll be short, probably about five minutes long. We're working with Zachary Stocks of Oregon Black Pioneers to do um, some relevant history on uh, the black population in Oregon over time. Um, That's going to come up. We'll find a slot for that soon, hopefully within the next month. And we're also going to be working with Mac Burns uh, and bringing some more local history to kmun uh he used to do a show for cast uh and we're just really excited to have him um yeah i think those are the those are the main ones i'm really excited about that are coming up
0: oh yes mac burns executive director of classic county historical society that is a wonderful addition to the coast community radio schedule yay
1: Yeah, so both Zachary Stocks and uh, Mac Burns, a couple of historians coming on board uh, and helping us fulfill our education piece of our mission statement, which is just awesome. All right. Um, So just a couple of updates about Radio for Good. Uh, The new website, we we got the new phone system that allows some of our folks to work from home with remote desk phones. We're uh, making some of the changes to the KCPB studio that we've already made to the KMUN Air Room. We'll be doing new translators for Cannon Beach, South Astoria, and Wheeler. Uh, the new the coverage should be much better in Cannon Beach once our new radio tower site is built up by the North Water Tank. Uh, we hope to complete complete that project the next couple months. Uh, and so, you know, one, one more piece about governance and the board. The board of directors, a board member serves a two-year term, and so every year, uh, about half of the board is up for re-election. And so this year we have four open seats, two incumbents are running again, and we have letters of intent from two additional uh, candidates. So we will have a full board of directors, but we love contested elections. And so if you're interested in serving on the Tillicum Foundation board, you can send a letter of intent to board at org. And one of the things that the board does is they host the annual member meeting and breakfast every year, the first weekend in November. And this is where the members get together, have breakfast, learn about what's going on at the station, commiserate, uh, and elect the next term's board members. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't do breakfast this year. We'll do some kind of a virtual Zoom thing. We're still working on the details, but we're going to try to make it fun and interesting uh, and entertaining. And we want you to cast your votes. There's a drop box. You'll get a ballot in the mail uh, around the end of September, so you'll have about a month to send it in. Uh, And we'll get little candidate speeches uh, posted on our website so you can learn about who the candidates are. Um, And I think, you know, since we're getting so close to the top of the hour, we should kind of move into wrap-up mode. So just reminding everyone that we're hoping to hit our $50,000 pledge drive goal. Uh, We don't have challenge granters like we normally do. We don't have live pitchers like we normally do. We're very handicapped, and we had to do this in the spring as well. We were really hoping things would be more back to normal by now, but they're not. And so we have to kind of fumble around with this new approach to raising money. And so we hope that the messages are reaching you. We hope the radio still reaches you in the way that it always has and that it's still something that's worth investing in for you. Um, So coastradio.org, you can send a check to P.O. Box 269, Astoria, Oregon, 97103 or call during business hours 503-325-0010. Uh, and you know, for me signing off, I just want to reinforce how fortunate I feel to get to do what I do, uh, for the community that this radio station serves, uh, with the people that volunteer here and work here. Uh, I love that community radio is a collaborative effort and that the goal is to do good for the community and it's non-competitive and it's non-commercial. Uh, so just that's me expressing my gratitude for being a part of this station uh, and looking forward to always advocating for uh, education and critical thinking and being a resource uh, and, and counteracting some of what's happening in mass media and social media with some positivity.
0: Yes, exactly. Now more than ever, we need community. We need Coast Community Radio now more than ever. So thank you so much, Graham, for making time. Emily, did you have one last quick thing you'd like to say? Oh, gosh, I would just second everything Graham just said,
2: which is cheating, but it's true. Half the house stood
0: up. Thank you both so much. And, again, please donate. Please become part of the Coast Community Radio family. Uh, We're certainly learning that we all need each other uh, during this challenging time in our world. So uh, thank you so much, both of you, for making time for this program. Uh, Thank you, Nevada, for... taking care of the technology of it, and my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor Michael Brown for the original theme music for this program. Until next week, let's find that moment that we know about right now to take a very deep, healing breath. It is so good for body, mind, and spirit. And then with gratitude, focus on the things that are going well in your life. Yes, there are always things that won't be going well, but focus with gratitude on the things that are